Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail, and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail, and your third fiancé didn't show. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Connection Church, where everybody knows your name. Tonight we're talking about community. We're talking about love. So I want to tell you a story. We grew up together. We played the drums in band together. We practiced every day, all season long. I started going to church, and he was there too. We became good friends. We worshiped and learned alongside one another in the same youth ministry. We went on mission trips together and served people in other states and other countries. We lived two blocks from one another, and though he was a bit younger than me, I looked up to him in many ways. He was my friend. In college, he stopped coming to church. Our friendship had kind of drifted, and I was busy, honestly, probably doing church things, and at the time, didn't even really wonder where he had gone. I saw his Facebook every now and then, and things seemed to be going well for him. And one day, I got the terrible news that he had overdosed on heroin and passed away. And I remember in that moment being floored. I had no idea he was even using any drug, much less desperately addicted to several. As more details came out, I began to wonder, why wasn't I there for him? I experienced something then that changed how I view the church. It wasn't guilt or regret. I knew that his addiction and his death were ultimately a result of his own personal choices. However, I did experience something in that time that was life-changing. Not guilt or regret, but conviction. I realized that he left the church and I didn't chase him. I wasn't involved enough in his life to know that he struggled. I know it wasn't my fault, but I did share in some of the responsibility of his loss. He had been like a brother to me and my friends. And when he went astray, we didn't just not chase him. We didn't even know. Thank God that, that turned, those feelings turned into neither guilt nor regret. But God used it to teach me two things. 
I realized that we are all struggling. Loneliness, like Larry talked about earlier. Anxiety. Cities kind of constantly pressuring us to feel anxiety. Restlessness. Should I stay or should I go? Do I want to stay in this crazy city or not? We're all struggling. And so just from before we even start talking about the Bible, let's just kind of put it out there. Nobody in here is perfect. And so if you've come here, this is your first time or your hundredth time, uh, if, you think just come, if you think I've got to go to the church and pretend to be better than I really am, I can't really let them know who I really am, uh, yours, your brokenness uh, does not scare us. Uh, nobody in here, including myself, uh, is perfect or anything like perfect. We are, we are all broken. And so that's one thing I learned, that we're all struggling and it's best not to hide it because if we stay on the surface, this is the second thing I learned, we suffer alone. If you stay on the surface in relationships, you will never be fully known, nor will you be truly loved in the way that God intends. So, it is much easier to stay alone, to suffer alone, and even to die alone. So tonight I would like to talk about the community inside the church and how Jesus designed it to look. The foremost characteristic of that community, the church, is love. I realized that my friend passed away. What happens when I don't take love inside the church serious? When I don't remember that people around me are struggling, when people become a concept instead of a reality? We must love one another, but what does love inside the church look like, and how is it different than love out there in the world? Well, Jesus is going to tell us. Read again with me in the book of John. Jesus has a couple things to say about this love inside the church. So we'll focus primarily on verses 34 and 35. He says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. First, he starts with a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. There's a misconception in our day about love, and it's basically that love can leave because love is an option. Love is optional. Love ends. There are some staggering statistics out there about marriage, some of which say nearly 50% of marriages end in divorce. And we all know love can be cheap. We see it in, on television, we see it in the movies, we read in the books, and we see it in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, in our church. Love can be cheap these days. We live in a culture obsessed with keeping our options open and leaving when it's difficult. When friendships get complicated, when our spouse hurts us, when our church is not meeting our needs, we can swipe left and move on. Have you ever been left? Have you ever been the lever? My guess is that we've both all been, we've all both, <laughs> we've all been both, the left behind and the lever. And that is decidedly not the kind of love that Jesus designed to fill his church. Here in this passage, Jesus says, love is not an option. Love is a command. When things get difficult, love doesn't leave. Love stays. So that's point number one. As Christians, we are not simply asked to, leave, or to love one another. We are commanded to love one another. The best illustration of this is found in the Bible just a few chapters later. After Jesus says these things to his disciples, 
He went and died for them. And that is a powerful message of love, to die for another person. But perhaps an even more powerful thing than simply going to the cross was staying on the cross. When people all around Jesus see him dying on the cross, they look up at him. This is in the Bible. It's in all the Gospels you can read. They didn't bow down and worship God who was dying on their behalf. They mocked him. And they laughed and some cursed. And as God in the flesh, Jesus could have stepped down and really dealt some damage to them for being so terrible to him. But instead, instead of taking revenge on all the mockers, uh, he didn't do that. Instead, he stayed on the cross. And so uh, Tim Keller puts it, Tim Keller, pastor of Manhattan, puts it this way, um, that the most beautiful thing God has ever done for us is not just go to the cross, but stay on the cross. That means when the people who are mocking Jesus, when he looked at them, he loved them so much he stayed, and he does the same for us now. Even when we mess up in life, when I sin, God stays. God stays. He says, I will never forsake you. I will never forsake you. My favorite verse in the whole Bible, Psalm 910. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. When God says never, he doesn't mean sometimes, occasionally. He means never, ever. The most powerful force in my love, in my life, is the transformative power of God's staying love. God stays and loves me. God stays and loves you to make us more beautiful. A good illustration of this is marriage. This is in the Bible. It talks about how a marriage is an illustration of God's love. When you get married, it's easy. It's kind of easy to put a ring on someone's finger. But it is very difficult to stay. You get to know somebody and you think, oh, they're really great. They're so perfect. I love them. I want to date them. Da, da, da. Uh, and pretty soon, it doesn't take long, you realize that this person is just as flawed as you are. And one of the things, having been married to Emily for eight months now, one of the things I have learned is that I am a terrible person. <laughs> I am a lot worse than I thought I was. And the coolest part about marriage is that when I am terrible, Emily stays. He says, a new command I give to you, a command to love one another, not to leave, but to stay. So in the church, we talk about church, there's, there's an idea out there, like church hopping. Are you familiar with this? Where you, where you like kind of go, you kind of sample churches. It's like the swipe left thing. I'm going to try this one for a little while until they don't meet my needs. I'm going to go over here for a little while until they don't meet my needs. And it's about programs and are the sermons good enough to meet what I want? That's the opposite of the kind of love that Jesus calls us to. We talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe 15 of us were gathered downstairs talking about church membership. What is church membership? We talked about it already in a sermon. Church membership is you looking at the church and saying, when the sermons are terrible and the communion bread is stale and people in the church have hurt me, I will stay and I will make the bride of Christ look more beautiful with my staying love. And church membership is you saying the same, the church saying the same thing back to you when you are terrible and when you are caught up in sin and when you, when you don't 
give and you don't pray and you don't encourage the brothers and sisters, we will stay. When you go missing, we will find you. When you get cancer, we will, we will stay by your bed. In the church, love stays. There's another misconception about love in the world today. Love, well, I'll illustrate it with the way we talk about it. I love God. I love my wife. I love my mom, my brother, my father-in-law, family members. I love my church. Astoria, I love Astoria. I also love Star Wars. Bacon. Two words, feta cheese. I love feta cheese. I love ice cream at midnight, and so does my wife. <laughs> In our culture, it's really easy to love everything. And when you can talk about feta cheese and with the same word that you talk about your wife, we have a language problem. Love is vague, or it can be vague, and it can be sentimentalism. It's easy to love in our heads. It's easy for love to become an idea. Loving people as a concept, but not in reality. Let's look back at the verses. It says, Just also, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Love can be vague in our culture. What does love even mean? This verse says, You'll see it on the screen. Just also as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus gives us an example. He sets a pattern for how to love, and how do we love? Like Jesus. Well, then, how did Jesus love? Throughout the New Testament, we have example after example of Jesus loving in action. He prays, he speaks, but then he acts. He heals this person. He feeds these people. This is a second takeaway about love in the church from this passage. Love is not vague sentimentalism. Love acts. I didn't put these on the screen, but I'll read them to you. Listen to these words. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Another passage says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Love and faith without action is neither love nor faith. Jesus didn't just love with words. He loved with actions. It wasn't fuzzy thoughts for him. And the church is supposed to do the same. A couple years ago, my dad passed away. Six years ago. And when my dad passed away, suddenly of a heart attack in his sleep, the church swarmed us. Swarmed. Three months ago, one of our church members went missing. And the church got out of the pew and onto their feet. And they did something about it. We are to love one another. We must love the church, but it has to be actions. Practical application question. 
How is God's love visible in your life? Just think about it. I have to answer out loud. Is your love visible or invisible? What are ways you can show love to those people sitting right around you? So stop for a second. Look around. I know this is awkward, but this is the audience participation part. You have to actually look around. (laughs) Hey, there are other people in here besides me. (laughs) Do you love these people? Nowhere in the New Testament, not one single time, does Jesus refer to the church as a building. Every time Jesus, the disciples, the apostles, and any of the other writers in the New Testament, anytime they talk about the church, it always, always means people. The church is not a building, even though this is a gorgeous setting. It's people. So God doesn't call you to just love a building. He calls you to love a people. We don't just go to church. Do not just go to church. Do not just invite your friends to church. Be the church. A third misconception about love is that it's all about me. And this one's big. Love is about me. You hear the quote, I'm looking for my other half. As famous and sentimental as the line is, you complete me, just simply isn't accurate. Love is not self-gratification, self-satisfaction, self-fulfillment, or self-actualization. No. Love has a purpose outside of yourself. Love is not for me. Love is not just for you. Love is not even just for us here in the church. The love inside of the church is for people outside the church. What? Love is for others. Listen to our passage. Go back to it. It says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all people, meaning everybody, including the people outside of the church, will know you are my disciples. You belong to me when they see the love that you have for one another. The love inside the church is not just for us. It's for them. It's for people outside. When we love each other, people see it, and they want it. The love among us is for the sake of people who are not among us. And so love expands, because when someone sees true love, they want it. So the third point is love grows. So you have love stays, love acts, love grows. Look, notice in this passage, it does not say, when you act religious and do all the right things, people will know you are my disciples. It says, when you come to a church service, people will know you are my disciples. It does not say that. It says, when you love one another. When you say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays, people will know you are my disciples. That's not what it says. It says, people will know you are my disciples when you have love for one another. It's the love inside the church that shows the outside world who belongs to Jesus. You know what attracted me to Connection Church? I wasn't here at the beginning. I didn't start this thing. I entered into this thing after seeing it go for a little while. I was visiting, and I started hearing story after story about how God's love was filling this little church and how through this church, God's love was invading Astoria. I said, all right, I know where I'm supposed to be. I know where God is calling me. 
Love inside the church is attractive to those outside the church. This is what we're supposed to be known for, love. Christians, did you know that? That's how this whole thing got started. This is the purpose of our love is for others. So a, a bit of practical application, more questions just to think for yourself. Is your love just for you? Are you looking for someone to complete you? If you come to the church looking for the church to complete you, it will probably end up failing you. If you come to the church looking to show love, if everybody comes to the church looking to show love, everybody's going to feel loved. If everybody comes to the church looking to suck love out of those people, then we'll be empty. Is church primarily for you, about you? Or is what we do in here for people out there? When people look at us, do they say, as was said of early Christians, look how they love one another? Or is there something else they notice about us instead? What are we known for? What is Connection Church known for? What are you known for? I love this one picture from Scripture. Paul writes to a church about, about a group of other churches. And he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So he's talking to this church about those churches. And he says, In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So what all those words mean is Paul saw a group of churches who, despite the fact that they were distressed and poor, they gave everything they had to help the brothers and sisters, and it was a sign to all the people all around who they belonged to. It's a beautiful picture of how Christians are intended to treat one another. So even when it's easier to leave, love stays. Even when it's more comfortable to sit still and do nothing, love acts. Even when my needs are not being met, love grows and meets the needs of others. Now, what's happening, or what happens if this is not what's happening in your life? You're like, oh, that's not my kind of love. Perhaps you're not seeing this in the church, or you don't feel these kinds of love, and you're saying, no, I love in God does not compel me to act. Actually, I'm kind of bored. Love isn't growing the community of God, and I don't want to stay. I really don't. What happens if that's not you? The first thing you should know is what I said at the beginning. We all struggle with this. None of us. Love doesn't come from us. Love comes from God. So if this is not what you are currently experiencing, we invite you to return to the source of love, Jesus. God loves you. I feel like we could just do a sermon sometime where we just like look at you in the face and say, God loves you. It is so easy to focus on what do, 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 do all the time. Oh, you better love people more. Love one another, love one another, love one another. If you leave thinking, I really need to just love better. I have to. And you just grit your teeth and you try to love really hard. You will run out of patience. You will run out of power. And the only way that you can stay in love with the church for the sake of the world 
is by resting in the love of God. So you have to know that you are loved. So you go to Him. You look up. You know that you are loved. You must return to the source of love. Your stamina for selflessly loving others is directly tied to God's selfless love overflowing in you. In other words, you can't give out what you have not received. So to the Christian, if you're a Christian, Jesus powers our love. Don't don't try to love out of your own power. If you don't feel loving, return to the source. Go to him, look up, know that you're loved, look at the cross. The reason you can stay is because Jesus stayed. So in the time when you're like, I really don't want to stay anymore, remember, Jesus stayed. When you don't want to act, and you just want to sit, and I don't want to do anything. I see that they're poor. I, can't, I don't want to help. I don't have time. You remember, Jesus acted. Jesus came after you. When your love is not growing to impact our neighborhood, remember, Jesus' love for other people 2,000 years ago is the only reason we have received his love now, because it grew. Christians, out of the love you have received, love one another. Then, to the skeptic. So, we don't have to pretend like there's no skeptics in here. In fact, there are that many number of skeptics in here. We're all a little skeptical. And so, we invite you to stick around. This love inside the church is not just for the people inside the church. This love is for you. So if you feel skeptical, you are invited in because we are all a little bit skeptical. Perhaps this is not what you've seen in your past. Maybe you've been hurt by a church or a Christian. We would love, love to pray with you about that. We'd love to talk and actually really listen. The church historically has really helped a lot of people. The church has also hurt people. And we're not, we're not afraid to talk to you about that. We invite you to investigate, if you're a skeptic or not a skeptic, the love of God with us. Let's explore it together and see what happens. Maybe, just maybe, if we begin digging through the treasure of God's love for us together, we will begin to have love for one another. So that's our invitation at Connection Church. And love is hard. <laughs> love is crazy. And to maintain love is impossible without the help of God. And so we don't want you to walk away going, I really got to love better. I got to love harder. I got to stay. I got to act. I got to do this. So just look to Jesus. We're going to have a time in a minute where you can respond and all that and pray. We just, we just want you to listen to God's love for you. So I want to pray for us. And then we'll transition to a time of response. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your love for us. Like this passage shows us just before the verses we read, you washed the feet of Judas and you washed the feet of Peter. Judas who betrayed you and Peter who denied you. Peter who said, no, you shouldn't even wash my feet. I'll wash yours. You died and you cared for and you loved both the unrighteous and the self-righteous. 
And so I pray that whichever group we find ourselves in tonight, that we would remember your great and unfailing love for us. And out of that, you would help us to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.